welcome back, dear listener, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and joining me from regional New South Wales, my good mate, Fraser Douglas. Fraser, great to have you back on the podcast. It's been a few weeks. How have you been? Been good, Casper. It's been a while, as you said, um, in New South Wales, but luckily far, far away from Sydney, so keeping my distance from uh, the COVID. And uh, keeping well, the Olympics are on and they've uh, taken a bit of shine away from the AFL. Kind of um, still keeping my eye on the AFL, of course, but keeping an eye on the Aussies, hopefully grabbing a few golds today. But um, looking forward to chatting some footy with you today, mate. And um, there's plenty happening and uh, let's get stuck into it. Absolutely. The Aussies, just to touch on the Olympics, man, quite day one, but days two and three. Wow. It has been an absolute gold rush. Uh and it's been absolutely great to see. Now, uh, in case you are new to this podcast, dear listener, basically it's split into three sections. Section one, Fraser and I were going to give our top two highlights and top two lowlights of round 19. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. Then section two, we'll discuss the four major talking points to come out of the weekend. And then section three, we'll preview what promises to be a monster round 20 as the unpredictable 2021 season comes to a close. Now, let's start off with section one. Fraser, what were your top two highlights of round 19? Thanks, mate. I, I thought it was a pretty tough week for highlights. We um we touched on you and me. We've got the five teams fighting for eighth spot, and there was only one that actually had a win on the weekend, which was the Giants. And I guess that's a highlight in itself. They're just a just an honest team, the Giants, and um they did well against against your boys, the Bombers. And uh, they, they looked, um, I thought the Bombers were going to overrun them in the second half. They had them kind of on the ropes at the end of the first, but they responded really well, especially without, they've got, they had four players out with them um, attending that uh, Australia Wallabies game a few weeks ago. So they'll be back, so that includes Toby Green. So that's a huge um, in for their game against um, Port Adelaide, which we'll touch on shortly. So that was definitely a, a highlight for me, just the giant showing that they're, because of, um, we'll touch on it, but, I don't I don't have them as my favourite to make that eighth spot just because of their run home, but I mean they just they turn up even their fate they faded out against the Swans but that was almost the Swans turning up in that second half and kind of taking the game out of the Giants' hands which is what they can do now, but um yeah that was absolutely a highlight for me it kind of just shows that they're they're in that hunt they're probably in that upper echelon of those teams fighting for that eighth spot so that was really good and my other one. Had to, had to be the Swans. Thought we were um, actually a Swans man, and um, don't want to be biased, even though I am. But um, that game against Fremantle, they probably they well, not they probably they definitely would have dropped that 12 months ago. I mean, it's a completely different team on um, on looks these days, and um, yeah, really impressive the way they responded in that second half to kind of just blow that game away and um, not just hand it to Freo like they did when they played them earlier in the season. They should have probably won that game. Um, in the wet over in Perth. And um, obviously, Isaac Heaney, he was phenomenal with five goals. He was probably um, best on ground with um, with Josh Kennedy, who was, um, who turned back the clock on Sunday afternoon. So for me, yeah, maybe just the two Sydney teams to highlight for myself. What about yourself, mate? Uh, number one for me has to be North Melbourne. What a turnaround. You know, they they I reckon they will probably still finish uh, in 18th position. But I agree, and I can't recall who said this, but someone said that they are absolutely not the worst team in football at the moment. And I 100% agree with that. A great 
win against Carlton. And what they're doing North is that they're not just narrowly winning games, they're now comfortably winning games, building a little bit of percentage, giving themselves a real good shot at uh, overcoming the Hawks and possibly Collingwood in the last four weeks as well. That race for the wooden spoon is going to be fascinating. It could come down to round 23, Adelaide versus North Melbourne for who gets 18th. And now it's going to be really, really interesting. So fantastic victory for North Melbourne. We'll touch upon Carlton in a second. The second highlight for me has to be the Western Bulldogs. Fantastic win against Melbourne. I was convinced heading into that game that Melbourne's record against top eight teams, especially top four teams, would hold them in good stead. And yet the dogs suffocated the demons to the point where a 20-point margin in the end probably flattered Melbourne. Like it probably should have been by more, the dogs. But that win for me kind of... um, uh, the dogs in my mind have kind of jumped Melbourne as the premiership favorites on the back of that victory. And it must be good for the dogs to just kind of mentally just get that one up on Melbourne after losing to them earlier in the year onto the top two low lights. Um, I'll start off with this one. We will talk about Carlton in depth later on, but that third quarter was abysmal. And no disrespect to North Melbourne, but when you're a team who, if you win, you're a game outside the top eight, up against a team who is still bottom of the ladder, still 18th, and you head in the halftime with the lead, and one of your, you know, one of your uh, longtime players playing its 200th game, and you concede in that third quarter, and I'm just going to double check just to make sure. Yeah, seven goals to just four behinds. And I've seen the highlights on the Sunday footy show and on other footy shows uh, around media and whatnot of the defensive efforts. They were non-existent. Honestly, I reckon I could probably defend better than half of Carlton's lists. They put in no effort at all. You see the great teams, you see the dogs and how ferocious they are at defending. You see the swans and how ferocious they are at defending. And it's really interesting. Someone, it was actually a Carlton supporter on YouTube who, who made this point. Um, and he said, Harry Mackay's injury before the game shouldn't be an excuse because footy shouldn't be a game where you kind of mold your game plan around just one player. And even if that player is injured and your game plan is molded around them, you adapt to it and you change it. And I don't feel like Carlton did that. It's just a a disgusting performance from them. And I reckon Serge Silvani, rest in peace, would be turning in his grave after that performance. Uh, Second low light for me, disappointing day for Fremantle. Um, Obviously, great win for the Swans. Uh, they had the Swans, I thought, on the ropes a little bit early, uh, but just the two two massive injuries. It wasn't just a 40-point loss, but it was the two massive injuries to Nat Fife and Michael Walters. I reckon both of them are probably out for the season. Um, definitely Nat Fife. It's just, I, I wonder with Nat Fife, did Fremantle rush him back too quickly? Should they have put him on ice um, earlier than what they did? I don't know, um, but it was something, the stat that really kind of boggled my mind was something like 28 
was it 28 to two tackles inside forward 50 for the Sydney Swans? So whilst that's an incredible number, 28, two is a very low number. And the thing about the Swans defense, they are fantastic, but they crumble under pressure. You got to put them under pressure and the Dockers didn't do that. So that for me, my top two lowlights. How about you, Fraser? Well, you mentioned Carlton and, uh, We'll touch on them a bit more later when we preview their game for the upcoming round. But I just can't I can't let them off the hook either. I've got to mention them here just quickly. The, as you mentioned, the, the de- their defense is just just so unorganized. Like you see, like every footy show that's on during the week, they've all had vision of Carlton's the, like their defensive fifty. You get that you get that shot from above the behind the goals, and you can see how they're setting up. That's just not AFL standard. It's just it's unorganized is the perfect word because that's just what it looks like it, it's almost a lack of care if you know what i mean it's um it's hard it's hard to watch and you like you see them on, it's, you see it on every show it's like oh gee they're doing it to death here but they should that shouldn't be they shouldn't be on on vision like that sh- that shouldn't be happening at afl level and um yeah it's not a great look absolutely and i mean another one just a, just a quick one the injury to scott penelbury obviously um injuring his um, injuring his leg looks like a broken leg that's obviously um, a low light for me I mean obviously getting to watch a grade of the game go around even when Collingwood's not not fighting for um, a premiership but um, it's always disappointing to see that happen and if I could just touch on one more the Gold Coast Suns getting overrun I mean had they could not have had Brisbane more on the robes Brisbane haven't looked themselves for a while now they've obviously lost lost Hipwood to the ACL and he kind of he um, absolutely straightens them up. They have to rely on Joe Danaher a lot more, which isn't a um, probably isn't a recipe for a lot of success. But um, it was just it was like you, I, I can imagine everyone checked their score, check the score at half time. They're like, Gold Coast, I might actually might um, nab this one. They um they rolled the Giants a few weeks ago. It's like usually they start the seasons really well and they fade out completely at the end. So it was like. Hang on, maybe they're building to something towards the end of the year. Won't be finals, but at least they might head into the off season with a bit of confidence, bring a few more players in, really turn it into next year once they get a, a decent ruckman back playing. Jared Witt, God, they're missing him. But it was a 60-point turnaround from midway um, through the second quarter, 13 goals to one in the second half. And as I mentioned with the ruckman, Oscar McInerney, just absolutely dominant, I thought. And um, no, it was a tough... I can't... There's, not, there's nothing worse than blowing a huge lead and I can't imagine um, I saw the I'm sure most of us have seen the vision now of that AFL documentary series and um, Stewie Dew would have given the fair old spray at the end of that game I'm sure of that yeah no you're absolutely right I, I probably should have mentioned the Suns as well just man can we get a competitive Q clash please I'm just I'm begging I yeah. It wasn't that long ago where, you know, both teams were really, really, really average. Um, and, you know, the games were really close at least. So, I don't know. Got to wait another year, I guess. Um, on to the four major talking points of uh, of round 19. Now, um, dear listener, normally, <laughs> normally um, the two co-hosts of this podcast will discuss these talking points in the days leading up to the podcast so we can each you know kind of prepare and get ready for them uh however (laughs) that did not happen this time around uh these topics were chosen about five minutes before uh before this zoom call started so if we stumble if we mumble a little bit please 
we ask, have a little bit of mercy on us. So we'll start with uh, Buddy Franklin. Had a mixed day against Fremantle, kicked a couple of goals, um, but that elbow originally got given a week, went to the tribunal, and surprise, surprise, got <laughs> let off. Uh, I want to ask you, as a Sydney Swan supporter, should Buddy Franklin have been given a week and should that week have stayed? Uh, in isolation, absolutely. It's a, that's a one-week um, suspension. You could uh, you could kind of see what happened. If you've ever um, been out in the footy field, there's those players that there's that switch. You could kind of see it, that switch in his head and he was that moment where he really didn't like uh, Luke Ryan holding onto him and like kind of almost dragging him to the ground, but he was just kind of tugging on him. He just swung that elbow around in that moment of just um, aggression. And um, no, it was absolutely, I was, I was, I was sh- quite shocked that they let that off. Um, it was, it was quite surprising. I thought, but then if you don't look at it in isolation, um, <laughs> the tribunal has a bit of a history of stuffing these kind of things up. And I think, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there was a similar incident with a player that I think it was with an open palm, kind of like, wasn't a punch, to palm someone in the face. And it obviously has the same potential to do the damage to the head, which we hear about the AFL wanting to protect. And um, it kind of feels like next year will be a bit of a changing of the guard. But in in that same way, like, you kind of want to push it in now because otherwise players have got that have got that kind of green light until the end of this year. Obviously, not a great look for the game when that kind of stuff's happening and they're playing the next week. And I'm sure you weren't happy um, with Buddy's history against um, Essendon. Um, <laughs> wouldn't have been good for Essendon fans. I've been thinking, oh, please, suspension, and now he's playing again. So uh, hopefully for uh, my sake, he terrorises uh, the Bombers on the weekend. But, yeah, as you said, uh, Pretty tough, pretty tough look for the game. My dad, uh, about three or four weeks ago, told me that Buddy will kick his thousandth against the Bombers, possibly in the first week of the finals. Well, now Essendon's back in the quagmire of that race for the top eight, which we will get to in a second. Uh, I wouldn't rule Buddy reaching the thousandth this weekend, truthfully, given how <laughs> given how much he loves playing against. Essendon, you know, the great full forwards, the great forwards of the last 20 to 30 years, they always have like a bunny team. You know, Gary Ablett Sr. was always against Richmond. If you were a Richmond fan and you were playing Geelong, you were just hoping, hoping that somehow Gary Ablett Sr. You know, would get a week-long injury or get suspended for a week or something and he would miss it. And as, Essendon, as an Essendon supporter, when I saw that elbow from Buddy, I thought, okay, there's a chance here because you're right. The AFL had always been, you know, they've been talking a lot recently about protecting the head. They want to avoid concussions. I I don't know what the defense was from Buddy's team that got him off. I have absolutely no idea. Um, but it wasn't an accident that that incident. It clearly wasn't. And I'm not saying this as you know to the character assassination on Buddy, not in the slightest. But in that moment, there was no way that was an accident. Um, When I look at someone like the whole Andrew Gass situation a few years ago, um, you know, and that getting the eight weeks that it deserved, maybe should have been given a little longer. And then I look at something like this and I think 
yeah, maybe, you know, the force of the punch from Gaff versus the elbow back from Buddy wasn't the same, but the elbow back could still cause quite a lot of damage. Um, and thankfully, the, the free up player was able to play out the game. Um, and you know what's really interesting? The same week that this happens, the same week that Buddy Franklin has his ban overturned, the AFL comes out and says, right, there is no combat training allowed at um, at clubs, no boxing training after a Hawks player accidentally got punched in the jaw at training um, and got concussed. And you look at these two decisions and they seem completely contradictory to each other. Um, Michael Christian, the whole MRO under him has just been a complete nightmare to try and figure out. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, Matthew Lloyd was talking about it with Damian Barrett um, on Access All Areas. And he said, you know, it's either going to be a week or it's going to be fine. It could be one or the other. You don't know which way Michael Christian is going to lead. Um, lean and so it's disappointing not just as an Essendon supporter who's kind of fearful of Buddy but just as an AFL supporter you know because again I think it kind of gives players not a not necessarily green white but it tells them okay right there's a legal defense here if you do hit someone in the head that can get you off and it's I don't know if the AFL should be promoting that um on to the second talking point. Buddy had a very mixed afternoon on Sunday. 24 hours before that, though, one man had a very bad afternoon, and that is David Teague. Now, granted, he's had some great wins at his uh, you know, during his um, tenure, but this year, and I don't know if this is the fault of the AFL media for putting so much expectation on David Teague, I mean, after all, this is his first full season. So, you know, maybe we should cut him a little bit of slack. But at the same time, it's just the effort from Carlton is just non-existent. And you look at, you know, we keep harking on about the defense, but, you know, there's a saying that defense wins championships. You know, that's what they say in, in, in the U.S., especially about American football. You know, strong defense will win you championships. It's almost the same thing in the AFL. You have to have a good balance of offense and a good balance of defense. You look at the Swans in 2005, then, you know, a pretty average team offensively, but defensively, they were like the best in the competition and they won the premiership that year. Um, you know, Fremantle very nearly did the same thing in 2013. And so to compete and to make finals football, you need a good balance between the two. And offensively, Carlton's okay. Um, but especially when you're missing your best forward and your number one threat, you have to improve defensively. You have to say, okay, right, forward missing, we have to improve defensively. And that's a point that, um, that uh, Matthew Lloyd made. And they just didn't. You know, the amount of walking goals that North Melbourne had or the amount of time that they were able to fumble inside forward 50, pick up the ball and still find a wide open target the amount of Carlton players just walking. They're just, they were on for like a, a, a light jog. Like it was a, one of those weird walking races in the Olympics. But the truth is, is that when you do that, especially against a young team like North Melbourne, fast, hungry for wins, you're going to get carved to pieces. That was a win that Carlton had to have. And they didn't. And now they've fallen back into the pack. 
with some difficult games coming up. I honestly don't think David Teague can survive another bad loss. They have to put in effort on Friday night. They cannot, if they get smashed, forget about it. Like he won't survive until round 21. So my question now to you, Fraser, is can David Teague survive another bad loss? I mean, if you think about it in the context of the whole AFL, I couldn't think of a worse team to support right this moment. When you see that, you've been obviously rebuilding for so long. And then they dish up that. It looks like they didn't care. There's the lack of care. Completely unorganized, as I mentioned. It was, it was, it was hard to watch. And I, even, I didn't even go for them. Like, they, they were on top in the first quarter. And you were like, oh, they should, they should win this comfortably. Five goals. They should win this by. And then they just kind of fell away. And then North, they just kind of let North get into the game. North Melbourne started to dominate possession. Then Cullen just kind of dropped their head. Like they've got, it's not like they don't have talent. And we've touched on this. I remember when I was on, I think it might have been last time, which is a while ago now, but we were talking about Carlton and St Kilda, who are both similar places on the ladder. I think I said, I have more faith in St Kilda. And I'm not even sure I really believed that at the time. Just because we hadn't seen Carlton. Carlton were a bit of an, an unknown still. They had have brought in a lot of talent. Um, Mackay was coming on. Got these youngsters who were kind of kind of finally showing something. But even then, um, I was like, oh, they're probably I was like, killed a card, and it's really a flip of coin. And since that conversation we had, they've kind of got in separate directions. St. Kilda's done well to kind of resurrect their season. They've still got a chance of um, finding their way into that eighth spot. Whereas Carlton have just gone into it like that's, I mean they've had they've had um, a couple of good wins since then, obviously, but just not to that level. And I mean, if they get blown out by St Kilda on Friday night, which I think is a real possibility, St Kilda are just a, a much better defensive side, and you'd almost argue that Carlton has a better defensive um, lineup. Like you'd almost take Carlton's players on face value over St Kilda's. But I mean, Jesus. You can't, you can't, that cannot happen again. I'm sure for, for the for the sake of Carlton supporters, I hope they respond and put in it. They don't have to win, but you hope they put in a good effort because, I mean, it just doesn't look good. I can't see him, I can't see David Teague coaching next year. It's just a matter of, for me now of whether he will stick out um, the end of the season, which I think he will. Tough to bring in someone now, especially with all the, the COVID stuff going on, it'd be tough to bring someone up to the hub. And, um, there's a lot to deal with there. So it's, it's kind of a tough situation then because, I mean, as a coach of the club, you'd hope you're aware of if your players are still listening and whether they're still um, interested in what you've got to say. If, that, if they lose if they lose to St by 10 goals and then Carlton doesn't um, bring in a new coach and they've just got to play out the last few games and, Although they haven't announced it, everyone knows that David Teague won't be coaching at the end of the year. I mean, that could be some shocking results for Carlton fans at the end of the um of the home and away season. So hopefully they um they show a bit of fight on Friday night, which um which they need to at the end of the day. You know, and I never thought I would say this as an Essendon supporter, and I might never say this again. But I feel for Carlton supporters. I really do, because Carlson and Essendon, for as much as we hate each other, we're one and the same. Two old, successful clubs 
you know, we're, we've won the most amount of premierships in the competition, 16 apiece, um, you know, great rivalries, great grand finals. I think we've competed, I've read somewhere that we've competed in the history of the competition in six grand finals and we've won three apiece. And I think we've played in like maybe 20 finals against each other and we've won like 10 apiece. Like we are two peas in a pod. But also since 2000, 2001, both teams have sucked, you know, and both supporter bases haven't had a lot to cheer about. And I feel for Carlton supporters because, you know, we, this, they're having the season that we had last year, you know, filled with underwhelming, disappointing losses, big defeats. And uh, in a season where we were supposed to challenge for the top eight again and possibly win a final, we finished 13th and, you know, same thing will probably happen for Carlton this year. You know, I, I, I feel for them, you know, it really sucks. I Essendon haven't won a premiership in my lifetime. It'll probably be a couple of seasons before the Bombers really challenge. Um, and you say probably the same for Carlton as well. Um, but if you are listening, Carlton supporters, at least Essendon have won a premiership this century. Oh, anyways, um, on to the finals, more specifically, the fight for fourth position. Now, this is very exciting because unlike the race for the top eight, which we will get to, filled with underwhelming teams, whoever finishes eighth will probably get blown out in the first week of the finals. The race for the top four, on the other hand, is super exciting because in my opinion, there are five really good teams this year potentially great teams and obviously five doesn't go into four so i want to get your thoughts on the fight for fourth and i also want to get your opinion who's your favorite to finish in fourth spot yeah so fourth spot um obviously it looks at this moment like fourth will either take on the dogs or geelong in the first week finals not that that is a a very attractive proposition but um it's better than having the obviously better having the double chance than not so we've got um, Port, um, they're on 52 points, uh, Brisbane on 48, Sydney on 48. So they're kind of the pack of three fighting for fourth. And you'd obviously tip your hat to um, Port and Brisbane there with a bit of an edge just on, on percentage. And um, But also I wanted to include Melbourne here because Melbourne don't have an easy run home. They've got, um, they've got Geelong and uh, I've got West Coast, which may well be depending on the COVID stuff, may well be over in Perth. And the way Melbourne are going, they've not had a great month. They've won one in, their last, in July, won one from four in July. Uh, they had a draw and a couple of losses. So not a great month, but you'd obviously still feel like their ceiling is obviously higher than Port and Brisbane and um, obviously Sydney's. So you kind of you kind of push them up. Um, and then you've got Port and Brisbane and Sydney um, at, at their best, obviously shown... Um, um, very, very good signs. Um, they've, they've all had um, good Julys, actually. So they've kind of, because there was a, about a month ago, I wasn't certain that Sydney would get that sixth spot. They were kind of a bit closer to the back towards that pack for seventh and eighth. Now they've kind of really separated, just um, pulling away in those wins like we saw in the weekend against Frio. So I'd say Sydney are um, relatively secure. I'd say they're pretty likely to finish sixth. So that fourth and fifth is Port and Brisbane. And Got a bit of an interesting um, rivalry between those two. I don't think they've played three games in the last um, in the last year or so now. And I remember like 
they were they were obviously fighting for first in the ladder last year. Obviously, Port ended up taking that, and um, they're like they're kind of a, they're kind of two teams you'd think would be evenly matched, like pretty close games. And I'm pretty sure they've all been by at least thirty points or more. So they're kind of one of those teams that they either one or the other dominates the other. So it's obviously a bit of a game style thing. Um, for me, I'd say Port. I haven't loved what Brisbane's looked like, even though they actually steamrolled the Suns in the second half um, on Saturday afternoon. Without Hipwood, I mean, their reliance on um, Danaher is, as I mentioned earlier, is a bit of, it's a bit worrying for me. I mean, they've got uh, McStay and obviously still a really good um, forward line. Uh, got like McCarthy and you've obviously got their midfield that um, can can come through. McCluggage, Zorko. Um, so it's like, it's not a, it's not a bad... Uh, I just kind of feel like without Hipwood, I give the edge to Port Adelaide just on their ceiling alone. So I'd have to end there. And of course, you've got to mention their run. Port's run is a little bit easier than the line. So I'd tip my hat to the, I'd tip my hat to the power at, um, at this point in time. But it's going to be an interesting run home. We've obviously got the run for eight, the run for fourth. So it's not, it's not exactly a boring, it's not going to be a boring last month of footy. So looking forward to it. Yeah, just looking at that round 23 fixture, there's a couple of massive games that will decide who finishes fourth, I reckon. You've got Brisbane versus West Coast, and you have Western Bulldogs versus Port Adelaide. And given the way that both teams are going, they could also play each other after the bye in the first week of the finals as well. Very interesting race for the top four. Looking at their draws... My personal opinion is that whilst the Lions have a couple of potential banana peel games, you've got <laughs> Hawthorne in Tasmania, and they normally, well, I was going to say always, but they did lose to Fremantle by like 10 colds there three weeks ago. They normally put in a decent effort down there in Tasmania and Hawthorne, um, and they'll want to avoid the wooden spoon, so that could be an interesting game. Fremantle in Perth the week after that, that could very well be uh, a game still you know, designated, still could be um, for Fremantle to play finals football, to stay in that finals race. So who knows, they could put in a decent effort. They're the Dockers, they are much harder to play in WA than outside of WA. Uh, and then they play, they finish with two games in Queensland against Collingwood and against West Coast. So a couple of difficult opponents, but Brisbane are good enough. They should win all four of those games. At halftime against the Suns, I was looking at that draw and I was thinking, man, yikes, Brisbane could finish seventh or eighth maybe if they're not careful. Um, and then, you know, second half happened as if the first half didn't happen. Um, it was a fantastic turnaround from them. I expect Brisbane to win all four of those matches. Port Adelaide is a little bit trickier just because of that last game against the Dogs. And the Swans, um, they should probably win their last four games. Sydney will get on to Essendon versus Sydney later on. Um, but uh, it's just their percentage because Brisbane has a much higher percentage than Sydney. Port Adelaide has a higher percentage than Sydney. So I think that given Brisbane's run, I think Brisbane will finish fourth and it'll be a race for fifth between Port and the Swans probably Sydney in fifth and then the power in sixth. All um, right, interesting. Yeah, it should be very fascinating. And then assuming that whoever does finish fourth 
loses to whoever finishes first and whoever finishes fifth beats whoever finishes eighth, which doesn't always happen. That semi-final, that first semi-final, fourth versus fifth is going to be awesome. It's going to be a great game of football, whoever it is. Uh, on to the race for the eight. Not as exciting, but also <laughs> kind of more exciting because there's more teams kind yep. of thrown in there. Um, Carlton probably out of it now. St. Kilda, because of their poor percentage, probably still out of it. Um, fantastic effort from Max King, by the way. Six goals. Uh, great way to respond after a so-so season. Um, so truth be told, it's probably down to Richmond, Essendon, GWS. I don't include Fremantle in that because of the injuries to Fife and Walters. I still think they're too reliant on them. Um, and they have a tricky run home. So, Fraser, uh, I want to ask you, out of GWS, Essendon, and Richmond, who, in your opinion, is more likely to finish eighth? And what's kind of your general thoughts about the, uh, the race for the eight in general? You make a good point. We've got, um, obviously, more teams fighting for that eighth spot. So it does make it an interesting run home. Obviously, not the quality of uh, the run for fifth. So it's, I don't know what you mean by it's not as exciting, but it's still, um, it gives us something to look out for. Um, teams have more to play for instead of just parking the bus, so to speak, and um, putting the queue in the rack for the end, uh, for the end of the season. So it keeps it interesting. Um, for me, even though Richmond's 10th, I'm similar to you, I'd say it's, it's more of a race in three than maybe a race in five. Although, it's been killed to blow the doors off Carlton on Friday night. I guess they kind of put their put themselves back in that. If they can get back to that low 90s percentage as opposed to the 86.9 they have now, you got, I guess you kind of have to include them as well. Um, but Richmond have the easiest run home of the of the of the three that I mentioned, um, and they probably should, on experience alone, um, be able to get there. They're obviously um, depleted injury wise. But um, hopefully they can welcome a few back. And, I mean, it would be pretty awesome to have Richmond in the final, um, even without Dustin Martin. But um, obviously got the Giants and Essendon, and um, your boys with a healthy percentage of 103 cannot be um, um, disregarded. That's, um, that could prove very, um, very important uh, down the stretch. So, obviously, the Bombers, you've got Sydney this week, um, then the Dogs makes it difficult. Um, the Suns on the, on, the, on the Gold Coast, which is, certainly isn't an easy one. And um, in the final round, the Pies, which is always a danger game. You never know with those two. So that's why, that's why I kind of feel... It's um, um, kind of why I feel Richmond. I'd almost give the... I feel like uh, Essendon's best is almost as good as... I mean, it's not Richmond at their very best, but this year, Essendon at their best is uh, up there with those three. Absolutely. Definitely out of the Giants. So it's kind of Essendon and Richmond in terms of their best. And um, the Giants have Port this week, which will be tough. Although I do give them a chance there. Um, then they got Geelong, then they got the Tigers, and um, to finish off the season, they've got uh, they've got Carlton in uh, at Marvel at this stage, but who knows? So I'd have to give the edge to Richmond, who have um, they've got Freo on Sunday, followed by North Melbourne, followed by the Giants. So that'll be a really interesting game in round 22. Hopefully they fixture that for a Friday night or a Saturday night, as opposed to the Carlton St Kilda game we've got this weekend on Friday night, which could be uh, could be interesting. Um, so 
Richmond was the easier run home. Obviously not the percentage they we definitely expected at the start of the year for them to have under 100 um, and outside of the eight sitting in 10th with four rounds to go. So I'd give the, I'd give, um, I'd give the nod to Richmond at this stage, but even this, this weekend, the games with GWS and Port and Richmond um, and Richmond and Frio, I mean, if Essendon can roll the Swans and the Giants and Tigers both lose, Essen puts himself in a good spot to um, to grab that eighth spot. So um, on face value, I was when I was looking at the draw for this weekend, I was like, "Gee, it's pretty uh, pretty slim pickings." Um, no wonder we've got Carlton and St Kilda on a Friday night. But um, yeah, absolutely, huge weekend for those three sides, especially in my mind. And um, if you wanted to include St Kilda, you definitely could as well. What about you, mate? What are you thinking? My heart says Essendon, but my head says Richmond. Even though uh, the Tigers have a couple of potential danger games, they should beat, no disrespect to North Melbourne and Hawthorne, but they should beat North Melbourne and Hawthorne. The Giants in Sydney, amazingly, considering how strong the Tigers have been over the last few seasons, Richmond haven't beaten the Giants in Sydney since 2014. Like, that is an insane statistic. Um and so, I, I don't know, on the one hand, droughts are meant to be broken, but on the other hand, it could very well continue. And maybe there's a mental kind of thing about the Tigers playing at Giants Stadium. I don't know. So that game there could very well decide who finishes eighth. Uh, Fremantle this weekend, though, I don't think Richmond should take this game for granted. I'll be shocked if they do. I think they took the Gold Coast game for granted and they got showed up in that one. So maybe, you know, hopefully for Richmond's, perspective that they've actually kind of learned not to do that uh Essendon yeah that game against Sydney and the Dogs you know that those two are obviously two of the best teams in the competition um it's interesting though Sydney and Essendon um the Swans haven't won two games in a row against the Bombers since 2017 and since 2017 it's gone 2017 elimination final um uh 2017 elimination final, it was uh, Sydney who won. 2018, Essendon won. 2019, first game, Dane Rampey climbing the goalpost. Uh, Sydney won. Rematch at the MCG, first game in almost 100 years that they played at the MCG. Bombers won. 2020, early game, Essendon won. 2021, Sydney won the early game. So I don't know. It kind of almost feels like it's almost been for the last five or six games in a row, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So hopefully, from my perspective, that happens again on Saturday. Um, but to be honest with you, my head is telling me that Buddy's going to kick eight goals or so and the Swans are going to win by like seven goals and that's going to be the end of Essendon season because we play the Dogs the next week, a team we haven't beaten since 2014. Um, you know, I still have nightmares about that hashtag 21 goals in a row game. Uh, you just, you never forget about a game like that. When you see that live, you just never forget about that. The Giants, on the other hand, a couple of tricky games. They play Port. They play Geelong and Geelong after that Port game. And then they play Richmond and they finish off against Carlton. And based on cuff off of current form, you'd probably only say that that Carlton game is a game that they should win. Um, if they can pinch a win against Port or Richmond, then I would say, yeah, they're a good chance. But 
too tricky. I don't think the Giants are going to make it. I think they'll finish 10th. I think the Bombers will probably finish 9th. And I think Richmond will sneak in there and get hammered in that first week of the finals. On to round 20. The fixture has now been confirmed in terms of locations and whatnot. Uh the Gold Coast Melbourne game will be played on the Gold Coast, after which Melbourne will then go into quarantine in WA to play the Eagles in round 21. And GWS versus Port Adelaide now has a home as well, also on the Gold Coast. But let's start off with Friday night football. Lose this is an elimination final in August. Lose this game, technically in July, because it's July 30th. Lose this game, and you are out of the finals race win and that flicker stays lit i'll let you start off with this one fraser the saints or the blues who went and why and by how much saints for me mate uh should win lose by five goals if carlton um even if carlton turn up i still think st kilda has that um level another couple of years over the blues that's what we've seen this year anyway i mean backs against the wall for carlton this week and um as we mentioned earlier, hopefully they respond after what was a just a horrendous game last weekend against North Melbourne. Um, they went into that game with a kind of a bit of a, I the, the F word hadn't been said in in the sense of finals, but they were kind of keeping in touch. I mean, even looking at the ladder now, they're not. It's not like they're sixteenth or something, but like that was a that was like North Melbourne. It's North Melbourne, and they're last in the ladder. This is a this is a game for you guys to. Give yourselves a chance. Give your fans some hope for the latter end of the year. They've got a month left. Give it a red-hot crack. And they just didn't turn up really at all and just got blown away, which was just, it was really – it was, it was tough. It was tough viewing. I couldn't even imagine being a Carlton supporter watching that. So um, we obviously saw St Kilda blow Richmond away on a Friday night. That was just over a month ago now. And uh, they, held, uh, they held the targets to 22 points that night. And I think that kind of shows – the difference in the defense of the two sides The, as I mentioned earlier, on face value, you'd almost take Carlton. They've got Weedering and Liam Jones, two great um, key defensive pillars down there. But other than that, it kind of does fall away a bit. And um, on the other half, you've got St. Kilda. I mean, they're very reliant on like a Dougal Howard and they've got uh, a young kid, Highmore, who's been really good this year. But um, still, like you think, I would have thought their defense would have got exposed, and it kind of did last year. And they still managed to win a final. Like, I've, I feel like with their list last year, definitely they overachieved. And this year, it, the way that the season started, it felt like people, their teams have figured them out. But the way they've responded at the back half of this year, even after that, they had that stretch where they should have won a couple of games. They blew the game to Sydney, where Jack against kicked seven points, whatever the hell it was, and um. Credit to them because even like Brett Ratton, like his back was a bit up against the wall. They had like the Bradley Hill thing. And he hadn't touched the ball in four games. And so it was plenty happening. And then they they just found a way and then they've slowly kicked up a few gears as they've gone along. They've integrated, like they've had Rowan Marshall out of the side and Paddy Wright obviously went home for a stretch there. But um, I mean, I think this is a game where we, like as you mentioned earlier, the importance of, of defense in a, in the modern game really comes out. So I've got I've got the Saints by five goals here. I feel like this could get if Carlton aren't on their game, if they turn up in any in any shape or form like they did last week, five goals is probably on the lighter side of things. 
Yeah, you got me rethinking my margin. I also tip the Saints as well because I just think how can anyone possibly tip Carlton to win <laughs> after that performance? You know, it's almost like it's almost like um, uh, funnily enough, Richmond against Brisbane before Richmond won. You know, coming off of that horror three re- three week stretch, lowest score in 60 years, lost to Gold Coast, lost to Collingwood, thinking who can possibly tip Richmond? This is almost like that, except Carlton's, they don't have the caliber of players to respond, I think, like Richmond did. Uh, I do think it'll be a close game, though. I I would be shocked and disappointed if Carlton get blown out of the water. So I think it'll be a close game. I think the Saints by two goals. You've, You've mentioned their inaccuracy problems. They... I don't know the statistics, but wouldn't it surprise me if they're one of the most inaccurate teams in the competition in terms of um, goal kicking. You just look at some of the goal kicking performances of the likes of Jack Higgins and Max King at, at points this year. So it was really good to see Max King kick six goals straight last week. That was really promising to see, or six goals, one or six goals, two, whatever he kicked. So uh, it depends entirely on which Carlton shows up. I think I do think the Saints are going to win. If it's the Carlton from the first quarter last week, it'll be a good game. If it's from the third quarter, Saints will win by 80 points. Um, <laughs> on to Saturday afternoon football, Ballarat footy, the Dogs versus the Crows. Uh, I think the Dogs are going to win. I uh, No disrespect to Adelaide, but they've kind of fallen off a bit of a cliff here. Um, I don't think it'll be a massive blowout. I do think the Crows have put in a bit of an effort, especially Taylor Walker coming back in the form a little bit. He could still pinch the common metal Taylor Walker, and that would be an incredible effort considering how far into his career he is. Um, the Dogs by 27 points. Fairly easy win. How about you, Fraser? You make a good point there. Um, Adelaide have kind of fallen away. I mean, they started the season really well. And um, with the Taylor Walker thing, obviously the start of the year, even the back end of last year was like, is he going to retire at the end of last year? Not even this year. So what he's done, the the ability to turn around and um, have a really good year. Um, He's probably not all Australian calculations now, but he, he was halfway through the year. So even that in itself is a, He's a sensational effort and he um, should be congratulated for it. I'm sure he will be at, um, I'd probably imagine he'd be top three in the Breast and Ferris uh, um, at the moment, definitely. Rory Laird's probably leading that, the way he's gone. He's been um, sensational for them, but no no tougher test in, test in football than uh, the dogs down at Mars Stadium. So um, it's going to be tough for them over there. And um, yeah, as you said, uh, I've got the dogs by six goals, but um. We even, even that thing about, as you mentioned, Taylor Walker close to the um, Coleman, that should give them something to a bit of fuel um, to hopefully keep this close. The dogs don't really, I mean, they blew the doors off. Um, they've blown the doors off St Kilda and um, North Melbourne, but both of them were horrendous. And um, Adelaide has some kind of structure. Their midfield's not, I mean, it's not, it's got nothing on the Bulldogs midfield, but very few do. But um, they'll they'll be competitive. Um, one stat that caught my eye last week in um, the Dogs' win over uh, Melbourne, they lost the hit out sixty-seven to eighteen, which isn't insane considering you come up against Max Gone. But they the Dogs still managed to win the clearances by three, which kind of shows you um, how ineffective hit outs can be. And it's a stat that you don't um, shouldn't read too much into that 
but that's that's the power of the Bulldogs midfield, and I'm sure that'll help hold them in good stead deep into um, hopefully September. Hopefully that we don't get any um, uh, layoffs with COVID, but um, yeah, hopefully we're um, full steam ahead from here. So yeah, expect the uh, dogs to uh, fare better in the hit out department. Tim English coming up against Riley O'Brien. That's no easy matchup for English either. But um, yeah, I, I feel like the dogs will just have too much for them. I've got them by six goals. What about you, mate? Um, North Melbourne, Geelong, what are you feeling there? Uh, it's going to be a good game of football. I think there was someone, you know, the AFL, they always you know, gather these experts and they say, right, who's going to win by how much? Um, somebody tipped North Melbourne. I think it may have been Kane Corns actually tipped North Melbourne. Really? Win. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm sorry, Kane. I don't think that's going to happen. Um I think it's going to be a good game of football. We saw how the Kangaroos pushed Melbourne all the way in Tassie, nearly beat the Giants in Tassie, pushed, uh, goodness gracious me, Melbourne all the way, Brisbane all the way. And so for me, looking at the Kangaroos in Tasmania, they'll push Geelong all the way. And Geelong's record against bottom 10 teams is a tiny bit shaky this year, taking the entire season into account. So because it's in Tasmania, where North Melbourne play exceptional footy. And because Geelong's record against, you know, teams in the bottom 10, kind of iffy, it'll be a two-goal win to Geelong. A great game of football. How about you? Yeah, um, you make a good point about their record against the bottom 10, the Cats. Yeah, interesting interesting game down in Tassie. I mean, the Roos have really turned their, turned their season around like the Saints. I mean... Looks 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 um going to be like it was going to be a struggle to win a game for the year, and they've done well. They're um they're within or well, they're on the same amount of points as Hawthorne. So, and I'm sure I've heard during the week that um big focus for them is they don't want that wooden spoon, and I think that's a credit to them. A lot of teams would just kind of just go for that number one pick. Obviously, it's a bit of a different year. You've got a couple of father sons who will be at the top of the draft in Dacos and Darcy. So it's probably there's not that incentive to just bottom out and go for that number one pick, considering that. Um, it doesn't have the same, it doesn't have the same ring to it as years ago in the past. But it's a, yeah, as you mentioned, interesting game, especially down in Tassie, considering the record of the, of the Ruse down there. Geelong, they're a team that dominates possession, the number one in the competition for disposals, and um, they average uh, more than thirty a game, more than North Melbourne. So I'm kind of feeling like they'll just dominate possession here dominate the game it might not they might not blow them out we've kind of seen i mean geelong did well to blow um frio away the other week and that was kind of how i kind of see this game going as well um just just kind of dominating the ball um i'm sure it'll be close north you know north melbourne they're a competitive team and credit to them i'm sure their fans have um enjoyed watching them um, kind of build as this season's gone. Whereas, I, if I was, if you, yeah, if you offered me the chance of being a North Melbourne or a Carlton supporter right now, I'd definitely take the um, the former. So, good spot for North fans to be in. But I'm thinking the Cats win this by five goals as they try and, um, hopefully for them, um, grab number one spot on the ladder and hopefully the Dogs falter. Um, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on that game. And Gold Coast Melbourne, another interesting one. What did you think about that one, mate? I think it's going to be close. I think, as you said, Stuart Dew would have given them an absolute rocket up the backside after that disappointing second half. We're at 12 goals to one. Sorry, I expect that kind of thing from if it was an AFL team versus an odds kick team. 
not an AFL team versus another AFL team. It was such a disappointing second half from Gold Coast, especially how promising that first half of football was. But they should take plenty away from that first half. It proved that they can compete with a top four team. Um, and they can build off of the momentum of positive last three or four weeks. They'll push Melbourne all the way, but I expect Melbourne to have one really good 20-minute burst that will kind of uh, put a little bit of distance between the two. Demons by four goals. How are you, Fraser? That's a good point you make about the, the good 20 minutes, and I think that's Melbourne at the moment. They're, uh, we've mentioned that their ceiling is right up there. It's higher. It's higher as almost anyone in the competition. When they're flying, they've got that, They've got a balance over every line that I'm not sure. Maybe, I guess maybe Geelong would be the most close because obviously the dogs have their midfield, whereas they're a little shaky in defence, I would say, especially in terms of key defenders. Whereas Melbourne and Geelong, they're just kind of, they're well set across the field. And um, yeah, interesting game for mine, Suns and Dees. Um, they're really good defensive teams in terms of tackling. The Suns are number one in the competition for tackling. The D's are number three, I think. So hopefully we'll get a bit of a spectacle here. Um, the Suns, as we mentioned last week, they they gave it a really good crack for a half and then they just did not get anywhere near it in um, the second half. And that was, to be fair, um, Brisbane went up uh, a number of gears in that second half and they kind of took the game away from the Suns, but they kind of didn't really look like they wanted to push back and they kind of just folded. You had Took Miller trying his um, trying his butt off, but wasn't enough when you're relying on one bloke who's had a sensational career and um, and season for that matter. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, I think it'll be close. I don't think I can't imagine the D's will blow them away. I've got um, the D's by 20 points in uh, in that one. Should be a great game indeed. On to a potentially really interesting game considering the struggles that West Coast have playing outside of WA and Collingwood with all their drama and all their injuries. This has a massive potential to be a, an upset, I think. Collingwood versus West Coast at the MCG. Fraser, can the Eagles once again beat Collingwood at the MCG. I think it's now three games in a row that they've beaten Collingwood at the MCG, which is amazing considering how poorly they've played at the MCG since the 06 grand final. So my question to you is, can the Eagles once again make it four in a row against Collingwood at the G or can Collingwood spring yet another upset like they did against Richmond? Well, I mean, it's been a really good um, recent history between Collingwood and um, West Coast. We obviously saw the Pies head over to Perth in the finals, in the elimination final last year, that was a cracking game. So if we can get anything close to that, that'll be that'll be quite um quite something. Uh, interesting contest. The like we saw the Saints um, Eagles game last week, and the Saints like they kind of came back and they really gave it a good shake in the end. And it kind of felt like that was a game that the Eagles should have just run out, held the margin they had, and they kind of fell over. They were really good. The midfield was looking um. That second quarter, especially Tim Kelly um, in isolation was superb. Nat Nui looked good. Um, obviously hasn't had his um, greatest year, Nat Nui, or Kelly for that matter, but both looked good enough that they could keep um, in touch with the best teams in the comp if they play like that. And obviously at home gives them that extra boost. We all know how good they are over there. Um, 
So, yeah, in Melbourne, um, they've obviously had the wood over the pies at the G in recent times. And the pies lose Pendlebury, as we mentioned earlier, with the broken leg. Um, they, yeah, the midfield was was probably their best feature last weekend. It's kind of struggled this year, their midfield. It's probably been, I mean, it's such a stacked midfield. I can kind of imagine how it would go wrong. Like everyone's fighting, everyone wants possessions, everyone wants to get their name up in lights, and they've got to share it. And it's got they've got to buy into playing that team game. So, um. It'll be, yeah, as you mentioned, interesting contest. Good that we're still getting some football at the G, even though there's no crowd. It's nice to see some football played um, in Melbourne and Victoria still and obviously coming out of lockdown now. So hopefully crowds aren't too far away. So um, I've got West Coast by five goals. One thing I found interesting, they're both bottom three in the comp for inside 50s, the Pies and Eagles. But yeah, the Eagles are seventh for goals per game while the Pies are 16th. So that kind of tells you how potent the... Eagles forward line is compared to obviously Collingwood. It's just a different, they're in different phases. Eagles are a lot more mature and they still have that youth coming through. Um, whereas the Pies, they've kind of had to experiment. They've had to go going in and out. He's playing mid, more midfield, probably play more this week with Pendlebury going out. So how do the Pies shape up? They're pretty tall with um, Cameron is Cox there. That's always a bit of a dilemma each week. So it'll be interesting. I think the um, we've seen, as you mentioned, it's a great stat um, with the Eagles' dominance over the Pies, the MCG. I've got them by I've got them by five goals. So thirty points. I think the Eagles, if they if they want to be taken seriously as a finals team, which uh, you don't really, or you wouldn't say right now, they should win this by five five goals. I think. Now on to uh, the Bombers and the Swans. Uh, the number I want to spit at you is 73 in 17. That is Buddy Franklin's career total against Essendon. I'm surprised it's that. I thought it would be more than that. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was up in 100 in 17. Um, and Google tells me that's 4.3 goals a game that he kicks against us. <laughs> I'm so scared. Um, Fraser, can the Bombers cause a monumental upset to stay in that finals race or will the Swans take another step towards finishing in the top four, potentially? I've seen a lot of people thinking that the, the Swans will get this one, um, not, not comfortably, but... Um, with a, with a couple of goals in hand. I'm not so sure. Um, that first half against Freo, they weren't they weren't good. It's like Freo, Freo, were, Freo were decent in the first half, but the Swans weren't good. And that's why Freo had um, had the wood over them for much of the second half until very late when um, the Swans took a three-point lead, I think, into halftime. So I wouldn't be riding off the Bombers here. And they've got, it's not like they don't have plenty to play for, as we talked about with the, um, the race to that eighth spot they can get a win here and a couple of other results go their way, they'll always put themselves in the box seat there. So um, really interesting game. And um, thank, thankfully we've got this on a, on a Saturday night as opposed to a 12-10 game on a Sunday or a 1 p.m. game on a Saturday. So at least they've got this one up in lights. It's probably my pick for game of the round, obviously the advice in that, in that department. But um, both teams top five in scoring, top eight in effective disposal. So we should get some sort of enjoyable contest. And um, fingers crossed the uh, the Olympics take a backseat to the footy on Saturday night. So I've got the Swans 
by two goals, 12 points. But yeah, I think this will be close. I'd, I'd definitely give the Bombers a chance, especially coming off that loss to the Giants. They should be keen to bounce back here. Really? That's interesting. Um, I'm going to tip Essendon. Uh, look, my head says the Swans, but given everything that's on the line for the Bombers, and you're right, they're going to want to rebound after that disappointing second half against GWS. Uh, they'll keep the flame of flickering. It'll be the Bombers by three points. It'll be an awesome game of footy. Whenever these two teams play, I have two two wishes. Number one, Essendon to win, and number two, Buddy Franklin to kick at least three goals. And I think both of them is going to happen. I think the Bombers are going to win by three points, and Buddy's going to kick five. It's going to be a great game of football, and I think the AFL is going to regret putting the game on Saturday night because originally scheduled for Friday night, and then they moved it and they put St. Kilda Carlton on uh, Saturday night instead. Don't know why they would do that, to be honest with you, but it'll be another another great installment between these two teams. I don't know the, the numbers, but I think 2018 was the last game between these two teams decided by more than two goals. So what, 2019, you had the Dane Rampey game, Swans won by about five points. Um, 20, uh, eight, 19, round 18 or whatever it was, Bombers won by 10 points. Um, early 2020, the Bombers won by, I think, six points. Early 2021, the Swans won by four points. It's an incredible run. And I don't know why people in the AFL don't talk about Essendon versus Sydney as one of the great rivalries in the competition. And everyone talks about, you know, Carlson versus Collingwood and Adelaide versus Port Adelaide. Truthfully, the Crows haven't been competitive in a showdown since like early 2019. And Collingwood and Carlson are now two of the worst teams in the competition. Carlson has been awful against Collingwood for so long. They did beat them last week, but that was the first time I think since 2016 that they beat the Pies. This is a genuine rivalry. Almost every single game in the last few years have been a 50-50 contest between these two teams. Great finals contests as well. Who can forget the 1996 prelim final? Tony Lockett um, and the great newspaper uh, article written about that game afterwards because he's coming into it with a groin injury. This great newspaper article. I don't know who wrote it, but whoever did, I hope they got a pay raise for it. They said all week, everybody was talking about Tony Lockett's groin when it turned out it was his behind that mattered the most. Great article, great journalism. That's the journalist. That's the, that's the kind of journalism I aspire to I aspire to create in future. Now on to Sunday afternoon football. Uh, the venue has been decided for this game. Gold Coast, uh, it's on the Gold Coast. It's GWS versus Port Adelaide. Um, Fraser, who's going to win this game? Can the Giants continue the momentum from last week or will the Port power prove to be too powerful? I tried to make a joke and I fluffed it. <laughs> and that didn't happen. I'll pretend, I'll pretend it was funny. Um, <laughs> no, um, really interesting game here again with um, hopefully uh, a cracking contest. They, as I mentioned, the Giants will hopefully welcome back Toby Green and with Ollie Wines in such great form, I'm thinking Matt DeBoer will come back. He was also in that um, in that group of players that was um, sitting out due to the COVID uh, Tier 1 exposure site. So that'll be really interesting, that battle between Wines and DeBoer. 
got Green coming back in. He provides so much for their forward line. The fact that they were um, able to hang tough against the Bombers and get over the line there showed real um, real hard, especially after blowing it against Sydney in the game they probably should have won. They led by, I think it was six goals at one stage. So um, they're both coming off good wins against um, the Bombers and Pies. Um, the Giants, um, they put themselves back in the eight last weekend after a, they were out for a little while. And um, the power obviously now in the four. Both tough runs home. So they'll be wanting to um, grab this one and just set them up. We mentioned the Giants. They've um, got a couple of really tough games against uh, Geelong down in Geelong. That's Nobody wants that except maybe the Swans. They've got a pretty good record down there. Yes, I'll say that. Uh, the Giants, I think the Giants can win this one. I've got, I've tipped them by six points. So um, with the with their ins and Metricon, I mean, who does that favour? You could probably argue either side. Um, so Sunday afternoon game, hopefully it's a really good game. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Giants by six for me. What about yourself, Matt? That would be a monumental, uh, would it be monumental though? Considering the Giants form, eh, it would be an upset. I'm tipping the port to win just because their record against top eight teams is not good port Adelaide. And I think they'll be looking at this as an opportunity to write that record. Um, and not only that, they know that they have more challenging games coming up. And so if they want to play, uh, if they want to finish inside the top four and get that double chance, they have to, they have to take care of the Giants. They will it'll be a close game. I'm tipping the power. Um, did I say it would be close? I meant it would be comfortable. I did the power by five goals. Here's the thing about GWS, right? You, It's routine almost to see a team have a really, really, really fantastic emotional victory like that was for the Giants, come back a week later and get absolutely hammered. So that last year, Collingwood in the elimination final, a thrilling one-point win against the Eagles, back against the wall, you know, fantastic win against all odds, come out a week later, Geelong win by 11 goals. So I'm not saying it'll be quite that much. I'm tipping the power by about five goals. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a close game, but Port should win this game. Um, if they want to play finals football. The earlier Sunday game in Tasmania has been confirmed for Launceston. Hawthorne versus Brisbane. Uh, I'll let you start off with this one. Fraser, can... Oh, hold on a second. Did we already cover this? Wait, I'm very... Uh, hold on. Let me, let me just double check. Oh, I think we did talk about it accidentally. Did we? No, we didn't. Uh, I've got confused between the other Tasmanian game. They're all the same Tassie pictures. <laughs> They're all the same. Uh, this is the problem when I have to look at the AFL website for the updated fixture, and I've already written down the fixture for somewhere else. Anyways, doesn't matter. Hawthorne versus Brisbane at Utah Stadium. I think Brisbane's going to win. It's going to be a great game of football. Hawthorne, um, their record in Tasmania, you know, lost by 10 goals or whatever against the Dockers. But their record against, you know, in Tasmania has been pretty good over the years, Hawthorne. Um, and with the potential of a Tasmanian team coming into the competition sooner rather than later, hopefully, the Hawks' tenure in Tassie is set to come to an end, if not this year, then maybe next year. They want to finish off with a bang in Tasmania. If this is their last game in Launceston, which it might be, they'll push the Lions all the way. But Brisbane will be too strong. I'm tipping the Lions by about three goals. Yeah, one stat I'll add, Brisbane will last in the AFL for disposals, which you wouldn't think, like, they've got obviously a strong midfield and, um, like, solid back line. They've got Birchall who racks it up off the half-back line. 
good forward line that rotates through the midfield. So interesting that they're so low. The Hawks are sixth for disposals, obviously. Got Tom Mitchell, who probably contributes quite a number of those to that. Um, but yeah, I found that really interesting. So the question is, for me, um, the fact that is that Hawthorne will get their chance with the ball. So they... They're not going to be. They're not going to be blown away here. I don't think. I think that's the Achilles' heel of Brisbane is they give you a chance, as we saw with the Gold Coast, and Gold Coast just didn't have the the class and the polish to um, put them away. And I can't. I'd definitely rather be um, Gold Coast in terms of uh, their list than Hawthorne at the moment. So I can't tip. I can't tip the Hawks, um, despite that. Considering that. Um, they gave Gold Coast um, every chance to beat them the Lions and they still couldn't get over the line, um, the Sun. So similar to you, I think, um, you know, they'll keep it close. Um, Brisbane gives you a chance. Um, I've got Brisbane by four goals. So, yeah, interesting game. But um, Brisbane should be winning that. If they want it, as you mentioned, they've probably got that easier run home against than compared to Port. So if they, if they want that fourth spot, which they should, obviously, um, they can get it, and this is a game they have to win. Freo Richmond, that's a really interesting game. I'll pass it over to you, mate. What are you thinking here? I'm tipping two upsets this round. Bombers over the Swans. This is the second one. Now, this is another one that's more heart overhead because my head is looking at this game and thinking Richmond win by seven goals. But at the same time, it is in WA. The Tigers are prone to underestimating competition this year. And I'm just looking at this and I'm thinking, man, Fremantle, it's another back against the wall kind of a game. Similar to when Gold Coast beat Richmond, when St. Kilda beat Richmond, when Collingwood beat Richmond. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, please, Fremantle, please. Please. (laughs) Please. I haven't barracked for Fremantle this hard since the 2013 grand final. I'm begging you, please beat Richmond. And I think they will. It will be Fremantle by a goal in one of the upsets of not just the season, but not just a decade of the century so far. It will be a great game of football. Someone will pop up and kick like five or six goals for the Dockers. I don't know who it is, considering that Fife and Walters is injured, but some someone will kick five or six goals and they'll beat Richmond. It will be a great game of football. And thanks to that, and thanks to Essendon winning and Port Adelaide losing, uh, so the winning against the Giants, the Bombers will be in the eight by the end of round 20. You've heard it here first. Wow, you can have a sensational weekend, mate. That is... Oh, um... mate, I, I sure hope so, because if not, then I'm <laughs> going to look like a blooming fool. But what about you, Fraser? Tigers, surely the Tigers are going to be... Well, they are favourites for this one. What do you think? Can the Tigers finally beat a team that they should beat? I was thinking of going with... Um, I was thinking of going with the Tigers, but now I've thought about... Um, well, I'm going up against the cosmic forces of you willing Fremantle over the line. Um, so it's <laughs> tough. I've got the Tigers by 10, but after I've heard your case that you've made and the Bombers, I mean, it's just meant to be that the Bombers finish in eighth and uh, Buddy kicks 48 in the elimination final. So it <laughs> should, should be an interesting game. You mentioned Freo. I mean, they're going to be without Fife and Walters, um, most likely in this one, definitely Fife. And... Um, They'll definitely be relying on someone, as you mentioned, to kick Bob up and kick five or six if they haven't got five shipping in with one and Walters kick shipping in with a couple. So maybe Tabernacle 
Could be that guy. He looked um, okay. Could be Mundy. Mundy, actually, we do know Mundy's record against the Tigers. I think he sunk them a couple of times after the sirens. So, could be one of those two blokes. Um, So, yeah, at least the Sunday games, um, we've got something to look forward to there. And, uh, gee, it's a now that I've kind of looked at the uh, fixture in isolation, it's going to be a big weekend for the Essendon supporter. If they can roll the Swans on the Saturday night and then have a couple of games, it's going to be interesting watching. I hope you've got a good spot on the couch to watch it all, mate. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, now, one thing I did forget to mention earlier, we also have this thing at the end of this section where we each say which game we're most looking forward to and why, which game we think is going to be the biggest blowout of the weekend. So I'll ask you those questions, Fraser. Which game are you most looking forward to watching and why? And which game is going to be the biggest blowout of the weekend? Most looking forward to um, Sydney Essendon. And I'm kind of thinking you're, you might be in the same boat. But... I think that's for fair reason. Um, really interesting game. The Swans can give them a chance, themselves a chance, and keep it in touch of that top four spot, even though, we, as we touched on earlier, it's probably not the most likely outcome, but you never know. And Essendon can set them up despite themselves having that. They've got a couple of tough games, as we touched on. Um, if they want that eighth spot, they can still get it. They let that one go against the Giants, but it's not over for them yet. Um, they're still within a touch. So I'd say that's the game I'm most looking forward to. If I had to pick a blowout game, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to do it to the Carlton, the Carlton supporter, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think St Kilda could win that by easily six goals plus. And in a in a round where there are some lopsided matchups on paper, I feel like we won't get um, too bigger, too big a smashing this weekend. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Hopefully, Friday night isn't horrendous football. Prayers to the footy gods in that one. So. Um, Saints for the biggest blowout for mine. I'm going with the power for my biggest blowout of the round. Uh, yeah, they'll be just too strong for the Giants. It'll be a cakewalk for um, for Port. In terms of close to the game, I was looking forward to. See, Essendon Sydney, here's the thing, right? And I know my dad shares this opinion. Shout out to you, mum and dad, listening to this in Dubai. Uh, I know for a fact that... that um, Dad shares his opinion. It's almost like watching two of your kids beat the living snot out of each other. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like that painful. And, you know, we've talked about how close the last couple of years Essendon and Sydney matches have been, but there was a stretch from like 2012 through to 2017 where the Swans won almost every single game and it was like a massive blowout each time. So that was almost like watching two of your kids fight, but one of them was just so much stronger than the other one and it would like, beat their youngest sibling to a pulp almost um so because of that you know it's always kind of tricky um tricky to watch these games because of that whilst I am excited I'm always excited about these games because I always win although I also always lose so that's always a negative (laughs) tipping the uh game that I'm actually really curious about is uh probably North Melbourne Geelong I'm really excited to see how uh, you know whether North North can 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 continue improving um, as they have been the last few weeks, and whether or not Geelong does it have ever played in Tasmania before? So kind of new territory for Geelong. Does it have ever played in Hobart before? Very interesting. I think uh, the Kangaroos push them all the way, but as I said before, Geelong should be too strong. Um, thank you, Fraser, for joining me. Um, hope the situation in in your neck of the woods in New South Wales um, continues staying. 
uh, nice and quiet as it has been with COVID. Good luck for Saturday. No doubt we'll be texting each other throughout the game. Um, yeah, it should, should be an interesting match, that's for sure. Fingers crossed, mate. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to have you on, mate. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Join me next week with another co-host to review round 20 and preview round 21 as the crescendo of the 2021 home and away season continues to get louder and louder. Until then, sayonara. Go Aussies in Tokyo.